This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 154. Today on our show, the Cincinnati Library's West End Stories Project podcast host, Keeloni Parks. They actually destroyed a lot of that type of housing for Laurel Homes and Lincoln Courts and also, you know, eventually Park Town and Stanley Row uh, Tower and Stanley Row Row Houses and things like that. So a lot of people were displaced. Kaloni is the manager of the Cincinnati Public Library's West End branch. She also hosts the West End Stories Project podcast. She talks to us about the West End, growing up in Cincinnati, working for the library, and more. Now, if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it by PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now, let's talk to Kiloni Parks. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati. But let's get to you. You usually start with uh, people's Cincinnati bona fides. So I would ask you, are you from Cincinnati? I am. I'm from Cincinnati, born and raised. All right, so the next logical question, what high school? I went to the School for Creative and Performing Arts. Oh, neat. All right. When it was uh, over the newer one or the when it was still over uh, closer to Pendleton? like uh, on The haunted one. The one on Sycamore. Wait, the, haunt, <laughs> the haunted one. Wait a minute. I didn't know it was haunted. Our teacher used to tell us stories. That was our favorite thing. Because she was, you know, she was pretty strict and, you know, a lot of times didn't share much. So we, we really liked when she would tell us um, ghost stories. I don't really remember many, but she did tell us about, you know, I think I think there's like maybe the cutters or something like that. Maybe buried on the site. I don't know for sure. Okay. Um, but hmm. So they would tell us little stories about it being haunted. And then apparently there's part of it that. And again, I might be wrong. It's part of the Underground Railroad. Oh. Uh, but it's like, well, now, you know, it's condos or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a, a former um, neighbor of mine lives when there. You, oh, okay. Yeah. The, there's like mailboxes in the lobby. And there didn't used to be mailboxes. It used to be gallery space. Yeah. So that's where the art students have their art on display. And in back of one of those are like these steps. I never got to go down there, but that part of like the basement or something like that, everyone always said that kind of led to whichever part was part of the Underground Railroad. Again, I don't know for sure. You probably have to ask a historian, but yeah. that's what I I remember hearing, but I'm probably wrong. <laughs> well, it was a high school, a proper high school before it was the School for the Creative and Performing Arts, and I can't remember which high school it was. It's still etched on the... Woodward. Front. Woodward, that's right. Okay. So it's perfectly possible they built... You know, on top of an old building and didn't, you know, excavate the basement, just built the school right on top of it. And that could have been, you know, a high, a good hiding place for. And Cincinnati was a destination for the Underground Railroad, so it's certainly plausible. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I never got to go down there, though. I I think certain students had 
gone down there. Uh, you would think maybe that, you know, Cincinnati does all types of ghost tours and things like that. Oh, maybe it's kind of complicated because it's a residence now, but yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. That maybe, you know, an opportunity. <laughs> We've had the ghost tour guy on twice. Uh, he hasn't been on for a couple of years, but he never he never mentioned the school for the creative and performing arts. Maybe we'll have him back on sometime, and uh, we'll <laughs> ask him about that because um, yeah, there's all kind because we just concentrated on the city of Cincinnati proper and a little bit north of Kentucky, like Bobby Mackey's. But um, I'm sure there's other places in the tri-state uh, that are also haunted. So um, yeah. So what did you? What was your course of study there at, at the school? I studied um, fine art, so I did. I did take a photography class, but I mostly did um, painting and drawing with the Thompson twins um, who worked at the school. Not, not the ones who did hold me now. No, not the. Uh, <laughs> That's so not weird. The um, musical artists, but the visual artists. That's funny. Because <laughs> they were twins, and they're amazing and very strict, and uh, learned a lot from them. On my personal podcast, I just did my latest episode is about the Thompson Twins, the musical group. So, that's weird. <laughs> that's okay. cool. That a crazy. That was a joke that my dad would always uh, tell me. <laughs> Uh, so what did after graduating from there? Did did you go to art school? Did you go to college? Did yeah, after graduating from SCPA, I went to um, the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore. Wow, very cool. And uh, how long were you there? I was there from 2008 to 2012, and um, then I went back and lived there for almost a year, but then returned to Cincinnati. And what brought you back to Cincinnati? What, I guess you, did you get a job offer or you just wanted to come back home and then look for a job? I wanted to be there for my family. My mother's had various health issues and wanted to be there to support her. And how did you wind up at the library then? When I was at Micah, I did a, like one of my best friends, um, his name is Christian Drolsom. Um, he was a librarian at the Decker Library, but also in general, like I've always had librarians in my life. Um, so like my friend Emily, she worked at Christ Hospital Library. My mom worked at Christ Hospital Library, uh, not the library, but at Christ Hospital. And um, I would often need more time to do papers. So I would usually go there and work on homework at the Christ Hospital Library because it didn't have time limits on the computers. And then and then also like my high school librarian, Miss Darling, I would get my National Honor Society um, hours with her um, at the end of the year helping in the library. So libraries have always been part of my life, but it didn't really connect until I went to Micah and me and um, Chris did like a film series with the library. And I'm like, gosh, you know, I think it was just that moment where it's like libraries can be so much more than books and you can do, you can be creative as a librarian and also just like help the community. And so I, that's what attracted me to it, that I would be able to still have that social aspect of it. Cause like, I don't know, for me, like the isolation of being an artist didn't really appeal to me, like being in a studio and being alone. I really like people. <laughs> um, that's when I kind of made that connection was at Micah and he kind of told me like what you had to do to become a librarian. And then I kind of sat on it for a while and came back to Cincinnati and I worked at Finley Market as a baker for a brief period of time. And uh, then I decided, hey, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And I had another friend that went to school online, which I was a little skeptical about, but there aren't any library schools in Cincinnati. So you kind of have to go online. Um, and I didn't have a car, so... So, yeah, I went to school uh, to Kent State 
online for library school. Um, started in like um, 2015, graduated 2016, worked for DAP Library, and then came to the Cincinnati Hampton County Public Library. Okay, and so what do you do there? What is your what's your what are your duties entail? So right now, I am the manager of the West End Branch Library. I've been here since January of uh, 2020. And so, yeah, I've managed a branch and also um, do the West End Stories Project and and other things like we have an urban fiction book club, trying to get that kind of ramped up throughout the city. And um, so, yeah, get to make great connections in the, the community get to build great relationships with our customers, get to build great relationships with our staff. So there's a lot of awesome opportunities. I'm really happy to be able to be in this role. So where is the West End Library, just to give people kind of a sense of where you're located, that particular branch? So so the West End Branch Library isn't exactly right in the middle, but it's kind of in between the Union Terminal and Music Hall. Uh, we're on okay. Ezra Charles and Lynn. That's what I thought. Um, okay. But I don't know where it's at. Is it a newer building or is it one of the Carnegie buildings? It's a newer building. It bu- is not a Carnegie. And I've heard people describe it as mid-century modern. Yes, and I, yeah. the one guy who does tours, sadly blanking on his name, but he's very popular on Instagram. He often passes our building. Uh, we have a zigzag roof, um, the yeah. building. Um, okay. the The plaque in our building says October 1961. There you go. Um, so in October, we'll be 60 years old. Oh, that's very cool. I like that. So, cause I, know the, uh, I know the building then. Because I've, I've probably been by it going from uh, you know, Washington Park area over to uh, the museum center. All right. So and mm-hmm. how, does, how does it – is it the normal size of a branch library? Because I know like the one in, um, on Short Vine in Clifton is kind of small. I think that's a that might be a Carnegie one. Come to think of it, the one in Anderson the here. Branch, yeah, it's a it's a Carnegie. Okay, Coryville is pretty large, and um, of course, a lot of Carnegies have that. I'm probably saying this wrong. I want to say cruciform, but <laughs> you know, has like that X layout. Yeah. Um. So you enter through the lobby, and then on the right or left side, you have either a space that's for children and a space that's for adults. And Coryville has that. Price Hill has that, even though they're getting their addition right now, and that'll expand their space. Uh, Walnut Hills has that. Madisonville kind of it has that, but it doesn't have as deep of a, a center space as others. So we kind of. We're kind of more like Madisonville, I think, and except there isn't like that distinctive uh, separation, like actual walls that separate the children and the, the adults. But but we have kind of like a, a similar structure. You can sit, stand at the desk and you can see the whole branch, basically, except for, you know, the hallway where uh, the bathrooms and the back door is. But it's kind of like broken into that. Like one side, it mostly has the children's collection and the other side um, has the adult and like teen collection. Um, But we don't have like any kind of space behind our desk. That's public space. That's why I say it's kind of similar to, to Madisonville. Uh, So they have like a, a, I think they have a meeting room in the basement. I might be wrong. (laughs) Anderson Ryla, the the branch was built, I think, in the 70s, and then it was expanded in the 90s or early 2000s. And sadly, it doesn't look 
of its time. It just kind of looks like it could have been built any time, which is sort of sad. And then the Mount Washington branch is also from the 60s, but it it's so tiny it doesn't really have a chance to kind of give you that 60s feel except for the like the door front you can kind of tell with the steel framing and everything like that if for those who are into the mid-century modern uh design (laughs) you can you can tell that but um so getting back to the uh to the west end where did you guys get the notion to do this podcast so before coming become before becoming a manager at the West End Branch Library. I worked in uh, at the main library in the information and reference department. And at that time, another department of genealogy and local history department had a new manager. And I would talk to him. And I'd also talk to Sandra, who used to be the manager of the West End Branch, and just kind of be thinking that because of all these changes that were happening in the community, and also my father and his family um, lived in the Lincoln courts. And I'd always hear his, his stories about the community that, you know, maybe we should, you know, start recording these, these stories as the community continues to go through these changes. Yet again, another very dramatic change. So then John Harshaw, who wrote like the book about the West End passed away in 2019. And I was like, we have to, <laughs> we have to start recording these stories because he wasn't, he was, he was in his seventies, but I didn't think, you know, he was still doing awesome things. I was trying to get him to speak at the annual lecture uh, for the mercantile, but unfortunately he passed away not a couple months, um, more than a couple months before then. So I think really his, his death really kind of expedited the process like we have to start getting these stories because a lot of the elders in the community you know we don't want to lose them so for folks are probably sort of familiar with what the west end encompasses we're basically talking the area sort of west of music hall and then kind of northwest of downtown and then east of queen's gate yeah. yeah. Okay. It's kind of the community's kind of 75 kind of envelops or kind of like surrounds it and okay. then Central Parkway. You right. know, both okay. of those those kind of roads kind of hug the the community. But it used to be large in that. It used to contain, you know, Queensgate as well. Uh, okay. So when the freeway came, we we had we had a guy on talking about the freeways before because this always fascinates me uh about how some neighbors were affected by that. And so I guess so. The, when seventy five came through, it it created Queens Gate and, and split off the West End. Yes. Yeah, a little similar thing happened in Northside when seventy went through there. Sliced off Cumminsville got sliced in half, and the northern part became just Northside, and uh, the rest of Cumminsville became known as South Cumminsville, even though there's really no North Cumminsville anymore. And you can see on the the Northside uh, Branch Library that that library says Cumminsville. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Fun little hidden history there. Um, <laughs> so when is the uh, podcast going to premiere? Is it? I believe it's today, I was told. No, it no, week? it's is actually going to... Well, technically, the podcast has premiered. Our first episode um, went live on our um, blog and on SoundCloud in September. And then we had our second episode in November. And then we have an episode coming out um, actually this month. So what we're more so saying is that the first three episodes and the promo that we've created actually um, all come out at the same time through like podcatchers um, through, you know, beyond, you know, um, Apple podcasts and other um, podcasts um, sites. 
on the 28th. And uh, the West End is actually, I mean, fairly a fairly big neighborhood. Is about 6,000, 6,500 people live in the West End? Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess you guys are probably one of the busier branches, considering it's, it, it's also a densely populated area. Yes. Lots of kids. <laughs> we have That's a lot cool. of kids who visit, but lots of adults, too. And, of course, a lot of focus has been put on the West End because the stadium. Yes. Yeah. And now where's the stadium in relation to you? Because I thought it was further south than it was, and I was working an event for us in Washington Park, and I could see the, the it rising over the buildings. And I'm like, oh, it's actually <laughs> northwest of Music Hall. It's not southwest like I thought it was. It's hard. I'm I'm really bad at <laughs> describing directions, but I know that when if you go out onto our front steps and you look to your right, you will see, you know, the stadium rising above, you know, city West apartments basically. Okay. So it's, um, you can, you, I can't really necessarily see Taft high school, but it's like behind there because of course their field was where it's located now. And how has the West end changed sort of over the years? I, like we said, it, it got, you know, sliced in half when the freeway came through and uh, a lot of buildings were raised as part of urban renewal. But what what's kind of gone on sort of post-World War II going forward? Well, in addition to 75, um, you had a lot of the way that the city west buildings look, even though they don't exactly, you know, look the way that the buildings looked at that time and they have uh, many more amenities than those buildings had. It was the community is way more dense and it had more buildings like that and throughout the community. You also had a lot of businesses in the community as well. Um, so I think from what people have described to me, you didn't have to leave the West End for anything because you had all these different businesses that, you know, like, you know, grocery stores and thrift stores and little shops. And, and also you had entertainment, you know, you had um, the Regal and, and many other things. I can't think of the name of the other theater that, and also um, place where people performed that the SC stadium, um, that building was also demolished um, with the stadium. Um, So that's how people describe it. And then they actually destroyed a lot of that type of housing for Laurel Homes and Lincoln Courts and also, you know, eventually Park Town and Stanley Row uh, Tower and Stanley Row Row Houses and things like that. So a lot of people were displaced. Um, I think that maybe they were supposed to be rehoused into these housing projects, but a lot of people were not. But then Unfortunately, probably due to funding and a whole lot of other situations, there's only one part of Laurel Homes that still exists today. And I think it's historically registered. Uh, but the rest of Laurel Homes, which is where Parktown, not Parktown, where um, City West Apartments is and Lincoln Courts, where the other part of City West is, um, that was destroyed for, you know, City West. So. So, yeah, that's those are some of the big changes that have happened in the community. But, you know, and like I said, the the lack of businesses as well and the fact that it's kind of a food desert. It doesn't have a major grocery store. Um, there's Finley Market. A lot of people in the community go to Finley Market still. Yeah. 
but people in the community generally do more shopping than that. The new Kroger downtown, a lot of people say it's, it's not big enough. You know, it doesn't have the things that they generally would buy. So they probably still have to go even further out the community to get the things they need. But I think Finley Market, you know, helps with with that too. That is handy. Uh, I, I know our uh, warehouse is in uh, Clifton, but we kind of border Walnut Hills. So on my way home, I go through Walnut Hills and a, a a food desert just like uh, just like West End. There used to be a Kroger there that you, you drive by. It's across from the CVS. And occasionally, uh, people will set up little farmer's markets there for food. And yeah. when my uh, wife and I were driving there one day, and she's like, where do people buy groceries around here? And I'm like, that's what you call a food desert, you know? I reckon the closest yeah. place to go is Norwood. Are there any plans to address that that you know of? Because like you said, when with the stadium coming and, you know, there's uh, some of the newer housing developments and projects and things like that. Is that because you always hear about over the Rhine was the big food desert for a long time. And that's when they Kroger finally relented and, you know, built that new store downtown right on the border of over the Rhine. But is any anything you've heard about addressing that issue in the West End? No, not not that I know of. Unfortunately, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, it seems weird that an area with, with 6,000 people wouldn't be able to support a grocery store. <laughs> just, yeah. Because, you know, all these exactly. little small towns, you know, out in the outlying areas, you know, there's a small, the, the town is big enough, it's it's got a, a, a grocery store. So what other challenges is the West End facing? I know with the stadium coming in, people were immediately, uh, you know, afraid of gentrification and things like that. Uh, like, what, what other challenges is, is the West End facing? What I've seen through the library is there's a huge digital divide. And when we were closed, I know that some people adapted and were able to adapt, but not not everybody um, was. Um, so I think that just resources, I, there's not a lot of entertainment in the community. I think, and then I, I just think that the pandemic has exacerbated that a lot of times Resources, say, like the rec center or the YMCA have had to pivot um, to say um, pro- to support families with child care, um, their child care needs because the kids are uh, studying remotely. But I, I think that just access to uh, educational programming, um, entertainment and things like that, I, I think, are definitely lacking. And then also, like I said, that that digital divide really hurts we while we were close a lot of people were still using the wi-fi um so i'm really happy that we had that available um to the community but yeah i think resources to make sure that everyone has a fair and equitable chance are lacking and like i said just access to entertainment i think is hard because i think a lot of people in the community don't have transportation um they can catch a bus but it's that that limits you there's there's a lack of of resources um in the community does that make sense i I apologize i'm not very articulate (laughs) you know makes makes perfect sense i was gonna gonna say it's a shame too because it it is such a, a great location when you think about it it is right off a freeway Unfortunately, the bisected and, you know, uh, part of it, but still, it's by a freeway. It, like, it's close to Finley Market, it's close to Music Hall, it's close to the Museum Center, and, and all that. So you'd think it would be very attractive for, you know, all kinds of uh, development that would help the area. And But I think that a lot of times, a lot of times, I, it seems as if it doesn't, by the time all those things and that development comes, 
those people, unfortunately, a lot of times have been priced out of the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It's kind of like with all the changes in OTR, the people who could really benefit from a lot of the jobs and things like that are now in the suburbs. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, I'm probably not making any sense. No, no, that makes, that makes perfect sense because I was going to say we need to have somebody on the show to explain it because we have a store in over the Rhine uh, on Main Street. And, of course, Vine Street is, I guess, the uh, the really developed street in Over the Rhine, for those familiar. And Main Street does okay, but Main Street is more like the little sister to, to Vine because uh, our competitor has a, a place on Vine, and the rent is much higher on Vine Street than it is on Main Street. But I was mm-hmm. always wondering, you know, it, it seems weird that, you know, when when you're – when you have people, you're, you don't want to gentrify it and, you know, like you're saying, push people out like has happened in many neighborhoods. It's like I don't understand why you just can't build simple apartments in an area like that that, you know, that aren't run down and things aren't broken. The things just work. They're just not as fancy. And if you want a fancy place, well, they can have a fancy place too. We have, we have the building up because a guy that was on from the uh, north side business association was saying, you know, 80 percent of over the Rhine is not occupied. So there's plenty of room to build all kinds of stuff, and it's, it either seems it goes one way or the other. Either the neighborhood mm-hmm. is like a food desert, and it, and housing is you know is a challenge, or it gets really ritzy all of a sudden, and people get pushed out, and you know it's just a bunch of yuppies in there. So we, <laughs> I, I need to find somebody that can explain that to me. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I I wish that I you know, I mean all I can say is it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. None of None of it has to be that way. Yeah. It doesn't. And, and but pe- <laughs> it is because of choices that are being made. Sure. And pe- and people like living in cities, apparently, although now with the pandemic, people seem to be fleeing cities. But there's still plenty of people that like the fact that you can, you know, walk down from your apartment down onto the street and there's a restaurant and there's a store and there's, you know, and you don't necessarily have to have a car or you don't have to really drive anywhere to get your food or whatever. So I, it, just, it seems like the, there's, that connection is getting closer, but no one can seem to quite make that final leap and put those all together. So, you know, everyone's you know, able to, I guess, you know, live and live well and, you know, take advantage of all the you know, opportunities in a certain area. That's precisely what the West End was. Like you didn't have to leave and you didn't probably necessarily need a car. <laughs> and now it seems like you have to have money to have that life, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, heck, in the and old by, days. And like I said, by the time those types of amenities come to a community, people have been priced out. So, you know, it seems like, like you said, I mean, and some of it is you have to somehow try and make strategic decisions. So growing up, my family never had a car. Um, so we always lived on the bus line. Um, wherever we lived, but not everybody has the ability to do that. But also I was an only child. (laughs) So that also gave my parents a little bit more flexibility in their choices. So I was able, we were able to live in certain places because of that. And not everybody has the ability to do that. If they have like a nice amount of kids and a large family, they need uh, more rooms and that may not necessarily be available in a building that's on a bus line. I don't know for sure. 
But yeah. Well, you bring up a good point, too. You, things. <laughs> you add more kids into the mix, then you got different schedules, and people have to be different places at different times, even just with school schedules, because, you know, the elementary school starts, you know, at one time, and high school starts at another. So that's another challenge that uh, folks have to face. Exactly. So getting back to the podcast, um, so folks looking for it, the name of the podcast is what exactly? Um, the name of the podcast is West End Stories Project. Okay. And so it's available at all the uh, usual places you find podcasts. Yes. The first three episodes will be available on January 28th in all the usual places. Okay, great. So it's going to so come out – this is going to drop on the 20th, so it will come out the week after that. So that's yes. That will give people time to find it. Okay. And you said you've got three episodes recorded so far, and it's uh, basically folks telling stories about the West End and their memories of it? Yes. In general, it kind of starts out with, you know, that individual, their family, you know, where their, you know, their parents came from, because a lot of individuals' families came from, migrated from the South. Um, So we kind of start with that, what school they went to, things like that. And I usually try to, you know, like you were kind of describing to me, like, kind of listening and seeing where areas where people kind of lean in, you know, because usually that's, kind of like part of the makings of of them you know the yeah. things that they're talking about a lot so one of the people we um interviewed you know her main thing was books and reading you know and you know you want to know more about that and also why sometimes the family situation kind of tells you why they're so into that things like that i don't know um it's very interesting I, um the our first man um uh, Mr. Davis, um, he's a musician, and it's just he always emphasizes like he's a family of of twelve, I believe, and got their education and things like that. So you know he repeats that a lot, and you know so he takes a lot of pride in that. Um, so it's great. Also, when we do the interviews, I don't let and we don't post it until we get the approval of the person we interviewed. Um, cause I, I don't want, I want them to be represented well, and I want them to feel good about what we're putting out in the world about them. So I always get their approval first. So the- I thought at times that <laughs> I was going to get rejected and then, um, the person loved it. So, <laughs> so you, they listen to the completed episode and then they can say, Hey, I shouldn't have mentioned this about my aunt Mary. Could you just take that out please? And you can, <laughs> Stuff yeah, like, okay. good. We haven't had that because generally you can kind of sense, you know, kind of stuff you should keep in. <laughs> and you shouldn't. <laughs> how do you find guests? Um, we have a flyer, but in general, just working at the library, I've met people and or people come in and they just kind of they'll be like, I haven't been in this branch in so many years. And I remember this was here and that was there. And a lot of it is working at this branch, um, but also having other people who know about the podcast and mentioning it to people and, you know, telling them to call me or, you know, okay. referring okay. people. And you record right there at the branch? Yes, I do. I use Google Voice and call people. Originally, it was okay. supposed to be a video video project, but then the pandemic hit. Uh-huh. And I feel like everything I've watched says, like, <laughs> Doing it over phone is better because people are more relaxed and not as concerned about how they look. And also we thought, you know, since we're mostly recording older individuals, they like 
they might like to hear from us over the phone and have that connection, especially if they're they don't feel comfortable going out. That's true. That make, that's a good point. Cause you, yeah, you think old folks probably, you know, they've talked on the phone for years, so it isn't as, you know, scary as maybe coming into where you have like a little studio set up or something like that. So, and do you do the editing and all that stuff, or is that handled by somebody else? So, um, my co-producer is Kent Mulcahy, and we edit it together. So, I usually, you know, sometimes interview people for hour, two hours, and maybe even come back for more if I, I've wanted them to talk more about a certain subject. Um, so I usually, you know, listen to all that and I write down the, the time clips and I send those to Kent okay. and then he edits them. And then I kind of like rearrange them into like an editing script. Then he edits all that together. And then we kind of, we meet through Microsoft teams and uh, we put it together. Wow. That's quite a process. <laughs> I, I, we're still, we're still, it's right now it's working for us. We're still, you know, working to get as efficient as possible. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, it, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> well, I'm just curious because people always ask me as a producer of this show, like, Oh, hi. And I need advice uh, starting a podcast and, and like, and I try to help them out. And yeah, you know, I'll, I'll recording you right now in audacity and I'll go through and edit it and I'll, you know, I'll put an intro and an outro on it and things like that, but it's still fairly time consuming. And, of course, you know, the bosses always want us doing – the question we always have to have in mind here is, is this going to sell T-shirts or what, you know, what can I be doing that's going to sell – it's – got to kind of balance the, the time constraints versus, you know, the, the end product. So has that kind of been a challenge for you? Is it that you – do you kind of worry that it's – well, this has taken up a lot of time and because it doesn't – it takes up more time than people think. I do. We, we, we definitely worry about that because – my main priority is the customers who come to our branch and my staff. Um, so I never want it to be, you know, conflicting with that. So we, we do the best we can. Uh, we would love to be able to produce more episodes. Right now, our goal is one episode a month. Okay. So we just do the best we can. <laughs> And so how are things at the West End branch? Are things kind of – I've only gone into the Anderson branch maybe once or twice because I wanted to physically pick up a, uh, a DVD I had requested or something like that. But I guess mostly mm-hmm. I've been using uh, the, the digital resources of the library. But are th- things anywhere near back to normal at the West End as far as, you know, level? I guess you, it, it's that branch probably uh, is more important to the folks in that community just for some of the resources versus, you know, out here in the suburbs. We at this time – with the pandemic, we can only allow six people in the branch at a time. Okay. Now, we recently, when it was warmer, we renovated one of our courtyards to expand tech access. So that expanded our capacity technically to 10. Um, we received a grant through SC Cincinnati, and we were able oh, to nice. buy laptops and to, uh, like I said, renovate that courtyard. So that was great, but now it's cold. Um, so yeah. <laughs> that's a little bit harder to do. I would say... No, because <laughs> in general, we, we're near four schools, um, St. Joseph, Taft, um, High School, um, CCPA, and Hayes Porter. In general, the way that the day would start, we've also changed our hours, so we're 10 to 6, as opposed to before. Um, sometimes we were 10 to 6, sometimes we were uh, 12 to 8. So generally, adults would come in, <laughs> and then they would be like, oh, no. The kids are coming, <laughs> you know, at 2.30. And the adults would just clear out. <laughs> and 20 plus 
kids. Sometimes you're having up to almost 50 or so kids in the branch, you know, at a time. Wow. All on the computer, all types of things going down. Although, like, we miss having so many kids and we hate having to um, say, you know, I'm sorry, we're at capacity right now and having to kind of, you know, negotiate with people and maybe say, well, somebody kind of wants to come in a branch. Would you mind either, you know, stepping outside or would you mind being in the courtyard, et cetera, those types of negotiations to make sure that people have access. It's also allowed us to be strategic. It's allowed us to get to know our customers better. So it's been a, it's been a blessing and a curse. So no, it's, it's not back to normal whatsoever for us with only allowing six people in at a time. As you mentioned it, they have a little table at the, in the foyer of the Anderson branch. And you, when you go in there, you can, uh, I guess they have to check and make sure that they don't have too many people in there. And a lot of times you can just, you know, if you're uh, dropping off, you can just drop your stuff off there. If you're just picking up, they'll go get it for you and bring it to you. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that won't, won't be much longer, hopefully with a, with a vaccine and all. But, um, and I know we touched on it earlier, uh, about the stadium, uh, but I kind of wanted to wrap up with it. How do you think the stadium will impact the the branch? Probably not so much, but and the neighborhood as a whole. All I can say is I hope that people aren't displaced and they're able to stay in the community at an affordable rate. I hope that it brings good things. I hope that it brings a grocery store to the people who are already here, more entertainment and I hope it brings good things. I really do. And we'll hope we will see that. We're not even sure we're going to have a, a normal season probably until summer. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see. Uh, anything else you'd like folks to know about the library or the West End branch in particular? I can't I can't think of anything right now. I apologize. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> I, I, we've, like, I think you're the third or fourth person we've had on from the library. So we're big library yeah. fans. And like uh, I always tell the folks, the library has, has great resources. Um, I always remind people to use that library mobile app. It's, it's great. And especially now in the pandemic, like I've gone into the library, uh, the physical library, and gotten stuff. And you don't have to go near anybody. You can just grab it off the shelf. Open up your app, scan it, boom, you're out the door. It's yeah. it's fantastic, yeah. And, of course, the, if you go to the library's website, uh, there's all kinds of great resources, too. There's one I discovered um, that I'm using to research our blogs for uh, the Cincy Shirts blog, the newspaper indexes and all that. And then we yeah. had a, a fellow on talking about you can research your genealogy via the library with mostly free resources. So it's it's fantastic. So do check all that stuff out. And uh, the, our last order of business is as the guest, you get to pick our uh, discount code. And what that means is you choose a word or small phrase, and then people will use this to take 20% off their next purchase at Cincy Shirts, uh, either our website or our sister website, oldschoolshirts.com, or the two physical stores in Over the Rhine and uh, Hyde Park. So what would you like uh, that that code to be? Hmm. I want to say Ezard. Oh, that's a good one. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, <laughs> And that's really the main drag that goes through the the West End, right? Would Yes. Okay, cool. Well, Lynn Street as well. So those are the two cross streets. Okay, great. Well, super. So, um, all right. Well, folks, hopefully we'll be, you know, visiting the West End more with the, with the stadium and, and whatnot. And like you said, hopefully uh, good things are ahead for the area with all that and none of the uh, bad things that we sometimes see when these developments happen. Uh, appreciate you taking the time today to do this. Uh, again, the name of the podcast is West End Stories Project. Yes. Look for it wherever you get podcasts. All right. Well, uh, again, and uh, thanks for doing this, and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. 
Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks again for taking the time, Keen. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Colony Parks, but you knew that would be the playout song, didn't you? How could it be anything else? Um, I mean, you know, I gotta be honest, not my favorite song of theirs. I know it was a big number one hit here, but they've got lots of other great songs as well, and you really only seem to hear that one, uh, even though they had a bunch of other top ten hits. Pet Shop Boys there with the West End Girls. Uh, and anyway, like uh, uh, Colony said, you can find the uh, podcast West End Stories Project wherever you get podcasts, so just uh, Google that and you will go right to it. So be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the Tri-State, meaning our podcast, and maybe the West End Stories Project podcast as well. Uh, if you haven't already, too, check out our podcast archives here at Cincy Shirts. Lots of great episodes back there, 153 of them back there now. Check them all out. I'm sure you'll enjoy each and every one. Today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. Find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find Binge Tees from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, and a lot more. We have like 31 cities in there now at oldschoolshirts.com. Defunct sports teams, old restaurants, old shopping malls, things like that. It likes and see shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code of this episode is EZZARD, as in EZZARD Charles, but just EZZARD, all lowercase, all uppercase. You can alternate upper and lowercase if you want to be fancy. It doesn't matter. You can use that to take 20% off your entire cincyshirts.com or oldschoolshirts.com order, or come into our physical, or as we say, brick and mortar store and over the Rhine and Hyde Park and tell the clerk you would like to use the podcast code EZZARD to take 20% off your entire order in the store. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest in C-Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.